from the CPRI Knowledge Hub and CPRIHub.org. This is Research Minutes, a deep dive into new and important research in the realm of education. Today, we look at developmental education, the non-credit courses students are often required to take when entering college. While millions of students take such courses every year, researchers have found that they can have unintended negative impacts on student persistence, retention, and racial achievement gaps. Many students who placed into developmental or remedial courses would spend upwards of a year or more before they were able to earn introductory college-level credit in math and reading. In 2013, Florida took a new approach, making developmental education optional for many students and introducing sweeping changes to course offerings and academic support. It's a whole package of reform measures meant to accelerate students into gateway courses. Today, we welcome Florida State University's Toby Park, who recently led a multi-year study of those reforms and their impacts on course enrollment, academic outcomes, and minority student populations. More students were taking and passing first-level college courses in their first semester than ever before. And what's really interesting is that the gains were experienced at even greater rates for Black and Hispanic students. Park joined CPRI research specialist Robert Nathanson to discuss his findings and their potential implications for stakeholders across the country. But considering the vast number, upwards of 60% of college students prior to legislative reform were required to take a developmental education course, seeing these increases in first semester gateway course passing is huge. That's right now on Research Minutes. I'm Robert Nathanson, Research Specialist with CPRI at the University of Pennsylvania Graduate School of Education. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Toby Park, Associate Professor of Economics of Education and Education Policy at the Florida State University College of Education and lead author of the new study, Developmental Education Reform and the Racial Ethnic Achievement Gap, the case of first semester gateway course passing rates when Florida made developmental education optional. Good morning, Professor Park. Thank you for joining us today. Sure, it's my pleasure. Today, I'd like to discuss your study, Developmental Education Reform and the Racial Ethnic Achievement Gap, the case of first semester gateway course passing rates when Florida made developmental education optional. The study, which listeners can find in Teachers College Record, sought to determine the relationship between Florida students' racial and ethnic background and the likelihood of enrolling in college-level developmental courses as compared to regular introductory college courses, as well as how a 2014 Florida law that limited the use of developmental courses influenced the college racial achievement gap. To start, I was wondering if you could explain the difference between developmental education courses and gateway courses. Sure. I think the easiest way to do that is to talk about kind of traditional developmental education placement and the role it played. So historically, in most contexts, students would arrive at community colleges or in some places four-year institutions and be required to take placement tests in reading, writing, and or English comprehension. And depending on their score on that placement test in math or English, students will be placed either directly into introductory college-level coursework, or if they scored lower, they may be placed into remedial or developmental courses. These courses typically are required for many students based upon their placement test, but they do not count towards college credit. 
but need to be completed before the first level college course. So what we were finding was that many students who placed into developmental or remedial courses would spend upwards of a year or more before they were able to earn introductory college level credit in math and reading. And many students who entered developmental education weren't successful, let alone getting into those introductory level courses, but taking additional courses or ever transferring. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. So I was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit about why you felt that it was important to shed a light specifically on the role of these developmental courses in higher education. Sure. There's been some work out there that's called developmental education, the road to nowhere. And I think that terminology comes from the fact that I just mentioned that these courses, while required by the colleges, do not count towards college level credit or towards an associate's degree. Students are taking these courses, paying tuition for these courses, not being particularly successful in these courses, and as a consequence, not being able to move forward in their educational trajectory. Yeah. And we know that college completion is another issue that many students are struggling with. And so instances in which there are additional barriers to accumulating those credits to persisting and to graduating is something that I think it's particularly important to focus on. Could you discuss the the role of developmental education courses in specifically the post-secondary racial and ethnic achievement gap? Sure. So if you take what I've just said, where students who place into developmental education or DevEd, as it's often abbreviated, tend to spend years or more and tend not to be successful later on in college. What we also find is that students of traditionally underrepresented racial and ethnic groups, Black and Hispanic students, particularly here in Florida, tend to be placed at higher rates into developmental education. So if you think about it that way, you already see a larger influx of Black and Hispanic students entering into developmental education. And with the low success rates of developmental education students, that's definitely then a contributor to the racial ethnic achievement gap. So your study focuses on 2009 to 2014 Florida students' first semester of college. Why did you choose this setting specifically? Sure. So Florida, it was in the legislative session of 2013, and it was implemented in 2014. Florida really shook up developmental education. Through legislative mandate, Florida essentially made developmental education optional for many students. And it's by function of when you entered high school, when you finished high school, if it was from a Florida public school. And what the law did was effectively make both that placement test that I talked about, as well as developmental courses in general, optional. So students were allowed to enroll directly into college-level coursework, regardless of prior academic preparation. So we wanted to see when DevEd became optional, what happened in terms of how do students enroll in different courses and what did success rates look like? We limited our sample to only include those students who the law directly applied, meaning they they fell into that exemption category of recent high school graduates. There's also some uh, measures in there for active duty military. So what we did was take a look at those exempt students, and we applied retroactively the same criterion to the previous cohort. So obviously, the law wasn't in effect in, let's say, 2010. What we could do, though, was to back up when that student would have graduated from high school and say, had the law passed earlier, this person would have been exempt, and the law would have applied to them. So we took groups of, in the neighborhood of 40,000 entering cohorts of students into the Florida college system, which is the uh, former community colleges here in Florida. There's 28 of them all together. And what we want to look at is now the dev ed's optional. Let's see as a share of the entering cohort, how many students took dev ed, how many students 
took the Gateway, or the first level college credit bearing course. And then what did success look like in those courses? And, you know, we looked at success in two different ways. We looked at it first with uh, regard to what we called a course-based gateway course passing rate. Course-based is the percentage of the people in that class, who therefore took that class, who passed the class. And the other way we looked at it was in terms of a cohort-based success rate. And what that is, is the total number of students who passed the class expressed as a percentage of the whole cohort of entering students. And the other thing we did with this is to look not only overall about all incoming students, but we also wanted to look at were there differential rates for white, black, and Hispanic students. The reason we did that was, as we talked about before, DevEd can play an important role in the racial ethnic student achievement gap. So what this method allowed us to do is a difference in difference analysis it allowed us basically to see, did we see any sort of change, a narrowing or perhaps a widening of the racial achievement gap when DevEd became optional? Yeah, I thought that those were some really, really interesting and important questions. And so what did you find? I think so the first thing we looked at was DevEd enrollment rates. And, you know, it doesn't come as quite a huge surprise, but there was a decline. So when DevEd became optional, the share of students in the entering cohort who took DevEd went down, and it went down dramatically. So for instance, in developmental math, we saw decreases across the board in the neighborhood of 20 to 27 percentage points, and there was some variation by race. And specifically by race, we found that Black students, the differential there, their decline went down further than white students, upwards of eight percentage points. For Hispanic students, the differential was closer to two percentage points. Similar patterns in writing and reading, with reading, for instance, for Black students, going down by upwards of 23 percentage points. So what that tells us then is when DevEd becomes optional, we see large numbers of students opting out of DevEd or bypassing it. And we see that differentially by race, meaning that Black students and Hispanic students are even more likely to bypass DevEd compared to white students. Now, when we turn to the uh, gateway course enrollment rates, we see the decline in DevEd. In the gateway course enrollment rates, we see the incline. We see a great increase there. So what we're looking at is, you know, depending on race, upwards of 21 percentage point gain in the percentage of students enrolling in gateway intermediate algebra, which is the first college level coursework, math course here in Florida. We also looked at English Composition 1, which is the first English course here in the state of Florida, and we saw gains there upwards of 27 percentage points. And then what's interesting, again, is we do see the differential by race. So again, we see that Black and Hispanic students across both subjects are even more likely to enroll in the college-level coursework than their white counterparts. In other words, their rate of change is even greater than their white counterparts. I just wanted to add a comment onto that before we move on to the next part. So I found that really interesting. And uh, some of your results show that there's approximately an equal representation of students by different races and ethnicities after the policy change in these enrollment courses speaks to now less of a over under representation or less of a issue from an equity perspective and who gets to go directly into credit bearing courses versus remedial courses. That's exactly right. I mean, the the share of Black, White, and Hispanic students enrolled in developmental education before the reform was vastly different. You saw larger shares of Black and Hispanic students. You didn't see that after the reform. 
And conversely, as you very well just pointed out, in the college level coursework, the gateway courses, we saw increases across the board, but we saw even greater increases for Black and Hispanic students. So what did you find when you looked at passage rates? So the first is this course-based passing rate. And what we saw was that in math, we did see in the neighborhood of 10 percentage points of a decline in course-based passing rates, meaning of the folks in the room, remember there are more of them now because more students are enrolled, but there was a decline there. But what's interesting is that decline was experienced equally across the racial groups. In other words, there was no differential effect here. So now we have more Black and Hispanic students enrolling in these courses. And of the students who are enrolled, while there was a slight decline, it was no different by different racial groups. Uh, In English, we find a similar story, but with actually smaller declines there. But what's interesting then is to look at these cohort-based passing rates. Because remember, what these are is the number of students who pass the course as a share of the overall population of incoming students. This is really kind of the policy impact of what this looks like. So what we found was that when we looked at cohort-based passing rates across the board for all students, all races, both math and English, we saw increases. So following the developmental education reform, more students were taking and passing first-level college courses in their first semester than ever before. And what's really interesting is that the gains were experienced at even greater rates for Black and Hispanic students. So while everybody had an increase in the cohort base, the number of people taking and passing gateway courses, Hispanic and Black students had even greater gains. So what that means then, it effectively did play an important role in narrowing, if not closing, the racial ethnic achievement gap in gateway course completion in the first semester. I think that's a really salient point because the first semester of college is that first entryway and is an important step towards persistence and graduation. And so closing a first semester achievement gap, I think, uh, really speaks to the importance of that policy change on a lever that can be pushed to further the positive experiences of minority groups when they first enter college and set them up on a path for success as they persist in that college experience. That's a huge point, yes. I mean, we know how important the first semester is, particularly for community college students, considering the vast number, upwards of 60% of college students prior to uh, legislative reform were required to take a developmental education course. Seeing these increases in first semester gateway course passing is huge. I was wondering if you could elaborate on some of the takeaways from your work or your other research that is most helpful to students as they navigate higher education, higher education institutions as they seek to make policy and develop courses, and also for policymakers. One thing we haven't talked about is that Florida's development education reform not only made developmental education optional, it also changed the way in which DevEd is taught. So no longer does Florida have year-long DevEd sequences. It now has developed a series of instructional strategies that are more tailored towards students' needs and designed to rapidly move students through DevEd. Two examples are compressed courses where 
basically dev ed is taught, for instance, in an eight week format. And then intermediate algebra, which is that first level college level course is taught in the second eight weeks of the same semester. So in the same semester, students can take and complete both courses. The other option, which has gained some traction and popularity across the country is a co-requisite model where students are concurrently enrolled in both the dev ed course and the college level course. In our other article in uh, Journal of Higher Education, we looked at, okay, was there a benefit for underprepared students taking that dev ed support measure in the same semester as the gateway course? And we found that, yes, th- there was a benefit to that. So what's the big takeaway message there? Basically that many students who once were placed in a dev ed could and were successful in the gateway course. And through these new dev ed instructional strategies, first level college level courses, one support measure that might be helpful for some students is same semester support. No longer the full year of dev DevEd and then college level, coming up with ways that accelerate students through DevEd who might need it and getting them into college level coursework faster. Florida's legislation did a lot of things. Made DevEd optional, we talked about that. Changed instructional strategies, we talked about that. It also enhanced advising and provide additional support services to students. This comes in the form of tutoring centers, computer labs, and so forth. The 28 colleges were given some latitude in how to implement those. It's a whole package of reform measures meant to accelerate students into gateway courses. Now, as a researcher, that's somewhat perplexing because it makes it difficult to identify the effect of specific components of the policy. But as a policymaker, we see that this sweet dev ed reform measures seems to be having a strong effect on increasing students' success rate in college level courses and also closing racial ethnic achievement gaps. So I think for other states to consider this, and by the way, other states have done similar measures, it's important to remember that Florida just didn't make dev ed optional. It did a lot of other things. So other ways in which we can reform dev ed through instructional strategies or whatnot, all of those contributed success in Florida. It wasn't solely saying you don't have to take it anymore. And then I was also interested in asking you, have you looked at outcomes beyond the first semester? That's a great question. So we, we have looked at coursework in the first year. We started to look at persistence and we started to look also at credit accumulation And we're finding similar stories. So the story for credit accumulation isn't as drastic, but it's still a similar story where we see students earning more credits across the board with Black and Hispanic students earning uh, even more credits. We presented some of this work in January at the Institute for Education Sciences annual PI meeting, who funds part of our work. And we're looking to present even more of this in the coming months. What future research do you have planned in the area? So one of the things we're working on right now is to look at a cost effectiveness study, which basically looks at bypassing dev ed, are there cost savings to both the institution and the state, but also to the student? And is that experience differentially by race, ethnicity, or other factors? And the other thing we're working on right now is to look at, you know, more distal outcomes. So we have these proximal outcomes of first semester, first year, and persistence. But we want to look at, does this eventually affect transfer? Does it affect degree completion and, you know, look into the future in that regard. Well, this is a really interesting study. For those who want to learn more, I encourage listeners to read Developmental Education Reform and the Racial Ethnic Achievement Gap, the case of first semester gateway course passing rates when Florida made developmental education optional, which can be found in Teachers College Record. Professor Park, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. It's been my pleasure as well. Thanks for listening to this week's Research Minutes presented by the CPRI Knowledge Hub. 
For more episodes, or to subscribe to this series, visit us at cprehub.org. That's cprehub.org. To share thoughts on today's episode, or to suggest future topics, follow us on Twitter at cprehub.org.